podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, buddy. Nice and simple this time. <clears throat> In a world of Veltima fungicide, five feet reign supreme. Hey, remember, less dramatic? Five feet. Just five feet. Five feet. Nope. Sixty inches. Look, man, just say Veltima fungicide lets you treat corn as early as five feet. Nice. Veltima fungicide from BASF. Coming sooner to a field near you. Always read and follow label directions. Ain't no place like a cowboy place. Ain't no time like a cowboy time. Ain't no way like the cowboy way. Have a cowboy kind of day. Try the new Big Sky Burger at Roy Rogers. It's Smithfield pulled pork, beer battered onion rings, American cheese, and spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the wheel going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. Welcome to the Cop Table podcast, where tonight we are previewing the Brighton versus Liverpool game this coming Saturday down at the Amex Stadium. Joining me tonight once again for the red side of things, we have Jay Riley. You can catch Jay on the Radio City Fan Friday talk show, and uh, now regular with us on the Cop Table. So, haven't done one since the City game, have we, Jay? Um, good to be back on. How are you? Yeah, a bit disappointed, mate, some of the last couple of results, but um, very important now for us to bounce back on Saturday at Brighton, but I'm expecting it to be a tough game still. Yeah, most definitely. And joining us representing Brighton tonight, we have Tim Jones. Tim is a sports broadcaster, does um, a bit of work and commentary for the visually impaired at the Amex Stadium, so... Pleasure to have you on with us, Tim. How are you, pal? I'm very good. Thanks very much. Looking forward to eagerly anticipated game against uh, Liverpool on Saturday. Good stuff. Yeah, we're going to um, start off with yourself, Tim, while Brighton's the, the home side. Just looking back at the, a few of the previous fixtures and a bit of the form that's, that Brighton's in at the moment. Not suffered a, a defeat since uh, Bournemouth in, in mid-December. Had a good win in the in the FA Cup as well, so... Give us your thoughts on Brighton's recent uh, performances, please, Tim. Oh, the recent performances have been excellent since since that defeat against Bournemouth, which was a poor game in itself. Uh, Boxing Day, we uh, had a tough home game against Arsenal, uh, acquitted ourselves well, drawing one all, and buoyed by that, went on to uh, beat the blue side of Liverpool, Everton one nil, which was a, a great game for us, um, and then followed it up with a tough game against. West Ham at the London Stadium during two all and I think it shows how far we've come that we were disappointed to let a two goal lead slip and then a fantastic victory in the FA Cup last week uh, against Bournemouth although both sides were under strength uh, it just shows again a measure of how far we've come that our sort of reserve side still delivered such a great performance so um, yeah we're in good good spirits good form I think with that recent form yeah, and just before we, we started the podcast, we were talking just beforehand, and he was talking about Brighton's home form and how much of a, a fortress is, this is, uh, this, it's been this season. Um, compared to previous seasons, 
what is the is the home form compared like to to them previous seasons, please, Tim? Well, the home form pretty much since Chris Hewton took over um, four years ago has been absolutely excellent, and it's been the bedrock for the you know the foundation for the success that we've had in getting to the Premier League and since arriving in the top flight uh, we've only seen defeat six times at the Amex in 29 games um, and we have a knack of scoring pretty much in every game uh, I think there's only been five games where we haven't scored so that is where the success is, has been built um, 2018 calendar year 33 points um, out of uh, 43 that we accumulated came at home at the Amex. So teams find it hard to come and beat us. Uh, this season uh, has been, I think, stronger than last. Um, Tottenham have, uh, have come down and Chelsea have come down and beaten us, but only narrowly. Both games only lost by the odd goals. So the Amex is really important to us, which is why in some ways we're buoyant for, for Saturday and, and, and seeing the hope of what we can do pitting ourselves against the league leaders. Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Tim. OK, going to go back over to Jay. We're going to talk a little bit about our past couple of games. Jay, obviously, our, our last podcast was the Manchester City game and went down to a 2-1 narrow victory. Um, give us your thoughts on that game before we talk about the, the FA Cup game, please, Jay. Yeah, I mean, going into that game, um, I, I likened it to a bit of a free hit, really, because we were seven points clear and you know, in, in a good position, really, in the league. And if Liverpool would have won that game, you'd have gone 10 points clear. And to be honest, you don't want a 10th fate, but 10 points clear in a title race, you would have thought we were home and hose. But, you know, even a draw would have been a good result for us to go seven points, to, to remain seven points clear. And it just wasn't to be, really. All the pressure was on City, and they seemed to cope with it quite well. And in the first half, Liverpool didn't really settle. But City didn't really create that many chances, I didn't think. And then, he caught his call, really, didn't he, right on the stroke of half-time with the Aguero goal. I mean, people are blaming Lovren for a little bit. Maybe he could have done a bit better, but it was a fantastic goal, really, by Aguero, wasn't it? And some people have questioned Alisson a little bit, but you're not saving an effort like that. It was just an incredible goal, really. I'd more choose to say it was more about Aguero's technique and his brilliance than, than blaming anyone else. But, you know, we were very unlucky in that first half because some lovely four when Liverpool did actually create an opportunity um, it was fantastic football by us and then Mane's shot hits the post comes back out and you know I don't really know what happened and how the ball never went into the net but you know John Stone's done his best didn't he to basically gift us a goal and then he managed to clear it off the line and you know it, it was so close wasn't it to be an over the line goal line technology he wasn't our friend on that, that occasion and you know, what makes me more baffled is how it actually avoided hitting Mo Salah, who was rushing in on goal to try and put it over the line as well. So yeah. it was quite remarkable, really, that it stayed out. And then, you know, of course, the City took the lead and, and they were 1-0 up at half-time. So in the second half, you were expecting Liverpool to sort of, like, improve a little bit because I did think the first-half performance was very flat and you sort of like, it was as though we'd gone there for a point, really, which would have been good enough, really. Mm. But it just wasn't to be. And then in the second half, Liverpool, we were all over the place, really, for the first 15, 20 minutes. And then eventually, we, we, we got an equaliser out of nowhere. But when you analyse that goal, it was fantastic. A fantastic team goal, really. Um, for me, you know, you know, got us back into the game. And, and at that point, I mean, that would have been a fantastic result, getting a point there. Because, as I say, seven-point gap going in 
into the rest of the season. You know, it would have been fantastic for us, but then City hit back virtually straight away in it. And it is fine margins because, you know, Sané's effort hits the inside of the post and goes into the net. And, you know, in the first half, Mane's shots hit the inside of the post and came out. And, you know, in these big games and the massive games, you know, the, the teams that are going for the title, if you like, sometimes that is the case. And our luck wasn't in and no City's luck was in. And, and you could even point to the red card incident with Vincent Company as well. I mean, that was a terrible challenge on Mo Salah and he, he could easily have seen red for it and he got away with one. So, you know, you take it on the chin, don't you? You know, Liverpool are still in a great position. We're still four points clear at the top. It's still a two-game swing. But unfortunately, I mean, it could have been a four-game swing or a three-game swing if we would have got, you know, rubber the game. We bounced back against Brighton, really. Yeah, definitely. We want that, a fixture that we need to... to man- on Monday evening, we went down to Wolves in the FA Cup. A much-changed lineup, starting with Mignolet in goal and the likes of Moreno. Um, and then, a couple of minutes into the game, Dejan Lovren suffers this hamstring injury and we're having to put on a, a 16-year-old in um, Kijana Hoover, who, who played absolutely brilliant for us for a 16-year-old um, kid. Well, give us your thoughts on the game and um, the performances of uh, Hoover, please, Jay. Well, I mean, I fully expected Klopp to make a few changes for the game. I mean, there's been a lot of uproar about it, hasn't he? That we've basically sacrificed the cup competition and you know the amount of changes that the team selection suggested that he wasn't really interested in the FA Cup and you know all the eggs in the basket of trying to win the Premier League and. It's a dilemma, isn't it, really? Because, you know, after the busy festive period, it was always going to be the case, wasn't it, where certain players would have needed a rest and, you know, he was going to change it around and rotate a little bit. But then the flip side to it all is we're not, we've not really been blessed, have we, in the last couple of years with winning trophies? I mean, we're going into what? It's our seventh year now, isn't it, without, without a trophy? So, mm. you know, you can't, beggars can't be choosers, can they? And it would have been nice to have a cup run and, have something to fall back on just in case it does go a little bit pear shaped in the Premier League. But I can understand to an extent the reasons why Klopp, you know, selected a, a bit of a weakened side. But what I am a little bit shocked at is, you know, to, to basically play. I know one of them was by default because Lovren got an injury, but to, to have three young kids playing, I mean, I don't think it, there was any need for the team to be that weak if you see where, where I'm coming from. I mean, yeah. Liverpool have got a, a, a decent enough squad where. Surely there wasn't the need to play like to start two kids and then obviously bring a, a young kid off the bench. I mean, I take on board we've got a few injuries in the back line, but I mean, I was a little bit shocked that three young kids basically have played the majority of that game away from home against the Premier League team. And you know, if it was in the FA Cup against the lower league team, then fair enough. But it was against the Premier League team, and Wolves approved this season. I know Muggs already they've beaten Chelsea there this season. You know, we had a tough game there just before Christmas time. We drew earlier on in the season against Manchester City and they also went and drew with the Emirates at Arsenal and they've beaten Tottenham at Wembley. So, you know, Wolves are not a bad side and Liverpool played a really weakened team. And I thought Wolves were pretty poor, to be honest, though, on the night. I mean, when you looked at Liverpool's side and they virtually went full strength apart from the goalkeeper. And I thought they they were running out of ideas until we gifted them a goal. And once again, like the Manchester City game, a mistake by a terrible ball by Moreno, a mistake by Milner, and then Jimenez went clear and slotted it. And 
you got the feeling then when we scored, I mean, it was game over, but then we managed to pull a goal back, didn't we? And equalised with Oregon. You know, Liverpool, I thought Oregon and Sturridge in the first half were an absolute disgrace, really. They didn't help the young kids at all. You know, no. the young kids actually done okay, didn't they, to be fair, in the first half? Mm-hmm. It was the all senior pros that let us down. But then Oregon pulled one out the bag. It was a fantastic strike and you know, we did improve a little bit in the second half and, and as the game went on, the youngsters sort of like deteriorated a little bit, which you would expect. But what baffled me was um he, he included Salah, Firmino and Mane in the squad and they were on the bench. Now, when there's 20 minutes to go, I mean, don't get me wrong, a fantastic goal by Neves as well, by the way, to put Wolves back in front. Mm. So it was a bit similar to the City game where we, we just got back into the game and then virtually... You know, five minutes later, we were two one down. We couldn't, you know, we couldn't basically hold hold on to the level level peg, and we we conceded straight away, which is very disappointing, really, from a defensive perspective. But um, what baffled me was there was twenty minutes to go, and he throws Salah and Firmino on. Now, if you're going to include Salah and Firmino in the match day squad, to me, they should have really been starting the game and give them a half. Or give them an hour and then take them off, try and get the goals or try and get the game won or whatever, and then take them off. But when there's 20 minutes to go and you're chasing the game and you're 2 1 down, it baffled me really why you put them on. Because even in, in, when it went to injury time and, and Mignolet's going up for like, like the corners, hmm. surely to God, if Liverpool would have equalised and it would have been a replay, that would have been the worst possible result for Klopp because it would have meant an extra game. So it just baffled me. I mean, it was clear as day that. He, he basically wasn't interested in the FA Cup. He, he wasn't interested in that game. And, and basically, we are now concentrating on the Premier League. But what I will say is, I mean, we're four points clear at the top. Great, we're in a fantastic position. But I do think it puts a lot more pressure on us now because, really, we're going to have to win one of the big ones or it's going to be another bad season where we don't win a trophy now. Mm. This is it now. The, all the pressure's on this Premier League. There's no excuses being out of the FA Cup, we've got adequate rest time. Now we've got weekends off coming up when it's the fourth round of the FA Cup, when it's the fifth round of the FA Cup. We've got massive gaps now and breaks in between games. Even go on like little, little mini pre-season, like you know, training camps in Dubai or Marbella or Portugal or wherever. Team bonding. There's literally no excuses at all. And I know you're, when you're looking at this title race, you're looking at it game by game. You can't get it too far ahead of yourself. You can't look beyond the next game. But what I'm saying is there's no excuses now. We've got adequate rest time. We've got certainly enough break time where we don't, I think we don't play for 10, 10, 11 days or something coming up when it's the fourth round of the FA Cup. So like I say, there's no, no excuses now. But there's just that added pressure because we're out of one cup competition and, and all the eggs are in the basket of the Premier League. Brilliant stuff. Cheers, Jay. OK then, Tim, we're going to Head back over to you. Looking forward to this game on uh, on Saturday. What's the situation that um, Chris Hutton's squad finds itself in? What's um, what's the injury and situa- uh, injury situation and any suspensions to um, to update us on? Well, we don't have any suspensions um, from an injury perspective. Uh, sadly, our Brazilian left back Bernardo. Uh, hasn't recovered from a hamstring injury and Chris Hutton at the press conference this morning has already announced that he won't be playing so he'll be replaced by Gaten Bong 
Um, great replacement because he was actually number one choice at the start of the season. But Bernardo had just come in, edged him out, and was showing some real Brazilian flair down there at their flank. So that's disappointing. Um, we had two players who were away at the uh, Asian Cup. Number one keeper, Matty Ryan. He's gone for a month. So uh, reserve understudy, David Button, who on his debut kept a clean sheet against Everton um, and did really, really well. So he's going to be playing. Uh, apart from that, it's Chris Hewton's got a full strength um, squad to, to choose from. So it's a great situation to be in and it's a much stronger squad uh, than last season that he's got. So strength in depth is great and he can make his choice from pretty much his full squad. Yeah, I know you mentioned about um, Matt Ryan, who's been in excellent form this season, being out of the game due to being at the Asia Cup. I know um, David Button, he's previously with Tottenham, wasn't he? He was on loan with a few of the, the lower league teams. Uh, has he featured much for, for Brighton at all since he since he signed? No, I mean, in terms of the keeper, I mean, yeah, Matty Ryan is... Uh... I think he's just just such a fantastic keeper, and because he's not been injured, and we've been so solely reliant on him, um, that when they knew he was going to the Asia Cup, um, they had two reserve keepers to choose from. David Button got the nod, um, having previously uh, last season played with with. Fulham, he came in to the Everton game, was very lucky, got a good early touch within seconds of the kickoff was given a bit of a ropey back pass dealt with it well and it gave him confidence and, and he built on that I thought he'd then play in the FA Cup game last week against Bournemouth was quite surprised to see him rested for that um, and uh, our number three keeper play I thought Button would have really needed the, the game time but Chris Hewton side against it so Button's come in played one game done excellent Absolutely, um, but uh, it's going to be a test for him on Saturday, most definitely. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Tim. Right, okay then, Jay. We're going to go back over to yourself and look forward to this this Brighton game. Um, as we spoke on previous podcasts, Klopp tends to, to change his formation um, for his home and away games. Just like to ask your thoughts, and I'll, I'll just see him setting the team up up for this one, and then give us your um, your predicted lineup, please, Jay. Well, I think when it, if you look back to the Man City game, we effectively went four three three, didn't we? Where that midfield that everyone seems to complain about, where Henderson, Wijnaldum, and Milner, where there's a lack of creativity and they're all a bit samey, aren't they? Really, where they, they all do a similar role, a similar job, and you know it's just not really very inventive, is it? And you lack that little bit of spark, really. And, you know, we have struggled when you when you look at the stats. We've, we've tended to lose quite a lot of games, haven't we, when that trio have, have played there. So I don't really want to see us go back to that now between now and the end of the season unless we have to when it comes down to maybe by default, really, if we've got injuries or what have you. So I think he will now try and play the four-two-three-one system a lot more. I mean, there were stats that came out where I think we've only lost one game this season playing that that system and when we've played 4-3-3 we've lost quite a few games really now so I do think he should go to the 4-2-3-1 and I mean when you analyse the game against Wolves you've got to say like seven or eight of them players are going to be changed aren't they really and Salah and Firmino come off the bench are obviously going to start this game at the weekend providing he don't pick up a knock between now and the game 
So, I mean, with all that in mind, I would say it's going to be Allison back in goal and then Trent Alexander-Arnold will come in at right back. It's going to have to be Fabinho and Van Dijk now because, I mean, with Matip and Gomez still a couple of weeks away from maybe starting a game for us and Lovren picked up a hamstring injury, didn't he, against Wolves. So, by default, again, you're going to have to play Fabinho centre-half, really, aren't you, with Van Dijk? I can't really see him risking the 16-year-old Hoover there, to be honest with you, because although I thought he he, he done, done quite well, looked quite comfortable at times, and you know, for a 16-year-old boy coming into a man's game, you wouldn't have thought that he was a kid. He didn't seem that, that much out of place, and he's obviously got a bright future, but I just think that being an away game, I just think it'd be a big ass to play him in, you know, in a Premier League game. So I think Fabinho is probably gonna play centre half with Van Dijk. Andy Robertson will return at left back, thank God, because Moreno is just an absolute nightmare. Um the middle of the park, I mean, as I say, I think it'll be a four two three one. So bearing in mind players that didn't play against Wolves on Monday night, I think you're probably gonna see Henderson and Wijnaldum as the two. Um and then and you're looking at the, the forward three. I mean, obviously, Salah, when you play the 4-2-3-1 system, Salah tends to play as, as the, the main man up front, doesn't he? So that means Firmino will drop into the midfield, with the, you know, into the three. Then you'd have Mane on one side and Shaqiri on the other. So I think that's what he'll go with, and I think that's the, the right team selection as well. I mean, the only, the only other thing could be maybe Keita, would play instead of Shakiri. It just depends on how he wants to mix it up. But, I mean, I'd be very disappointed with Keita so far. I mean, there's only really been one game that he's he stood out really performance-wise, and that was against Burnley away. Um, most of his other games, he's flattered to deceive, really. And, and people, don't get me wrong, you've got to give the lad time. It's not easy to come to a, a new country, a new club, a new league, a new environment altogether, especially when you don't know the language. There's a massive language barrier there and you know there's, there's only really sad the old money to help him out isn't he but you know when you pay 50 million pounds for a player you do expect a little bit more and that's not on the lads back because you've got to give these players time to settle and adjust I, I take that on board but when you when you're spending 50 million pounds on someone you just expect a little bit more don't you? he's not really looking like the player that we thought we were signing from Leipzig but you know that said, I do think Shakiri will probably get the nod, and I do think it'll be a four-two-three-one system. Excellent stuff, thanks, Jay. Okay, yes, similar one for you then, Tim. Taking into consideration the um, the injuries and, and the players who are going to be missing in this game, how do you see Chris Hutton's Brighton lining up for this one, please? Interestingly, Chris Hutton's the same as Klopp. He has a formation that he trusts for the home games and he has a formation that he kind of goes to for the away games. Uh, I wonder whether he'll actually line up to try and uh, stop Liverpool playing, uh, which might change things slightly. He's very much of a caution first. Um, Traditionally, he goes for a 4-4-1-1. If he did that, I've mentioned that we'd have David Button in goal. He'd have a flat back four, Montoya, Duffy, Dunk and Bong coming in for Bernardo. Then in midfield, it'd be interesting because with Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andy Robertson, just such impressive fullbacks, um, he would normally go with Solly March and Jurgen Lacardia on the wings. Um, Anthony Knockhart will be pressing potentially for a, a recall. Uh, he's got a little bit more energy than Lacardia on the wings, and I think we're going 
to need that to perhaps counter some of the the fallback overlaps that Liverpool do. Midfield, uh, he'll stick, I think, with Davy Proper and Dale Stevens um, pulling the strings between the back four, um, and Pascal Gross will drop in behind whichever front man he plays. Unheard of to have thought that Glenn Murray wouldn't be a certain starter for the Albion last year or even in the first part of this year but such is the strength in depth uh, that Chris Hewton's bought uh, Florin Andoni has started to make a real case for um, being potentially the number one striker I think that Chris Hewton in the end will go with Murray for his experience he rested him last weekend so I think that told the story Murray will most probably get the nod um, but I see it being caution, caution first for Hewton. I suspect he'll drop into a four-four-one-one formation on that lineup. Great stuff. And just looking at this this January transfer window, do you see Brighton doing much much business, Tim? Do you know I don't? Um, Brighton, in terms of their transfer activity, don't really make much public. Um, the first you ever hear about a transfer for the season making is normally when it's actually done and dusted and you're seeing the player in the shirt. Chrissy Hewton made I think some smart additions to the squad in the summer. Uh, he bought in eight. Uh, spent more money than most Brighton fans were expecting and it's pleasing to see that the majority of them have fought their way into the front side and are being a success. So I don't see us making a, a, a new signing. But that said, we were linked with Dominic Solanke and I was surprised about that and hearing whispers within the club that, you know, if the deal had been right, they would have happily gone with it. Instead, he's chosen to, to go elsewhere. So up front, uh, we could still do with another player, uh, possibly another midfielder. But, but I think on the fact that where we are in the table, don't want to go out and panic buy. And sometimes January buys are panic buys. I don't think we're going to dip our feet into the transfer market in January I would be surprised uh, for, to see us do it and if it was someone I think it would be someone that we've perhaps been tracking for a number of years Brighton have got a history of keeping tabs on players and actually striking just when it's right uh, I mentioned Florin Andone uh, signed in the summer actually signed in the summer for five million when we actually tr- tried to sign him last year for 16 million and the reason we went back in because he had a clause in his contract from relegation so mm. you know unless the club have got their eye on someone uh, that they've been tracking I don't think we're going to go in no I think it'll be a quiet January transfer window for for Brighton Excellent stuff thanks Tim OK yeah similar one for you Jay although we pretty much know how Klopp's thinking at the moment he said after the Wolves game even though Lovren had, had suffered this injury he Unless something else happens, he's not going to be going into the transfer fair markets. Looking at, at the situation now with defence as it is, Jay, with obviously Gomez, Matip and Lovren all out. Um, Van Dijk's the only fit central defender, senior central defender, if you like. Um, put yourself in, if you was in Klopp's shoes, would you be looking to bring somebody in on, on a temporary basis or... Just for a little bit of cover till the end of the season, obviously with in mind we're going for the we're going for the title. Let's make no two bones about it. And we've got the Champions League as well. Would it be a risk not to to strengthen the, the defence in January? Do you think? Well, I think because Joe Gomez and Joe Matter are probably about a week away, aren't they, from being mm. back fit, fitness wise and in contention for probably the Palace game next week. I think 
all things considered, it's unlikely to happen purely down to that basis. I mean, Lovren getting injured is not ideal, really, because he could be out for three weeks himself, couldn't he? So yeah. the problem is it's how quick Gomez or Matip return. Now, I do think it is negligent, really, to not look at potentially bringing this centre-half in, pure and simply because you're right in what you say. It's not like, oh, we're, in, we're sort of like comfortable in the top four and like that's where all we're going to finish this season is third or, or fourth. We are genuinely going for the title. We're four points clear. And if it comes to May and Liverpool ends up dropping points in the, you know, the next couple of, like, four or five weeks or what have you, and it's pinpointed mm-hmm. because obviously Van Dyke's the only fit centre half. Say we drop points at the weekend against Brighton for argument's sake because we've got Fabinho, who's a central midfield player, playing centre half. Yeah. Then there's one game, isn't it? And then say, for instance, like, I don't know. It happens again before the months out against Leicester at home or something. You're going to be, you know, you're not going to be impressed, are you? Because really, it's just a case of it's stubbornness sometimes, isn't it? He likes to do his research on players, and he's dead thorough, isn't he? He's meticulous in when he when he selects a player that he wants to sign for the football club. So he he doesn't really tend to like the loan market at all, does he? And he won't just knee jerk in terms of signings because. We saw it with Virgil van Dijk. He wanted them in the summer. Southampton dug the heels in and Liverpool waited in the background. A couple of months went by and then bang, we ended up getting him in the January transfer window. He's very meticulous in the players that he wants to bring to the football club. And in some ways, that's fantastic. But then in other ways, when you're in a situation that we're in now, a proper dilemma really, where you know all, all the centre-halves are injured... Sometimes you just think it's stubbornness, really. It's, it's stupid. You know, just get someone, an experienced pro or someone, just just bring them to the club and, you know, just as a little bit of backup or play a couple just of games for the team. You know, that, that's just the way it is, isn't it? I mean, I know he likes to bring the young kids through as well, but I just think sometimes, like, a little bit of an old head, an experienced, a little bit of an experienced player would, would be, you know, it gives a little bit of a boost. But, you know, like I say, he's got his ways of doing Doing it, I knew we to second judge him and to criticise him because he's the manager of the team that's four points clear at the top of the Premier League table at this moment in time. So we've just got to hope and pray that we don't get any more, more injuries and Gomez and Matip are back for, for the Palace game next week and hopefully we'll get through this game at the weekend at the Amex against Brighton, which I'm fully expecting to be a tough game. But like I say, if we can get the three points there, then we put it to bed and we play again next Saturday against Crystal Palace. So Hopefully one or two of them will be back. So that's just all we can do. And there was talk, wasn't he, today about Tarkowski, but we knew about that in the summer, that he was someone that we'd spoken to. We'd sounded them out via his agents. And, you know, Burnley were reluctant to sell it in the summer pure and simply because they were in the Europa League, weren't they, in the qualifying stages. And, mm. you know, they needed to keep a hold of all their players, really, because they expected to have a European campaign. And it didn't pan out that way, they went out, didn't he, fairly early in the Europa League, and there was talk that maybe a, a deal could get done in the January for Tarkowski, but some of the figures that have been knocked about today, of £50 million, it's just scandalous, really. I mean, I don't even think he's played all season for them, I think he's had a little bit of an injury at times, and Burnley have been poor this season, have shipped a lot of goals, and you know, you can't say that's just down to someone like Tarkowski, but what I'm saying is he, he, hasn't, he clearly hasn't progressed this season, if anything, he's regressed. So, you know, you're not going to go and spend £50 million on a Maya, someone who's had one or two caps for England. It's just scandalous, really. And, 
you know, I think we'll keep our powder dry. Whether that's going to be the right thing to do, I'm sure we'll find out in May, won't we? But, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully expecting it to be, you know, Liverpool to just keep the powder dry and not try on anyone in January to tell the truth. Yeah, like you say, Tarkowski was linked and Hummels as well has been linked. He's not getting much of a game time at Bayern Munich. And Gary Cahill's another one that me, you and the lads have talked about. So it, there is backup out there if if we needed it. But like you say, it's just one of them and, and time will tell whether it's um, the right decision made by Liverpool and the, and the managers, really. So... Moving on then to um, our, our score prediction part of the, the show. I'm going to start off with you, Tim. I'm going to ask you for a prediction and uh, your reasons for that scoreline, please, Tim. Okay, well, score prediction, I'm going to go for a one-all draw. Um, and to, to back that up, <clears throat> there's never a perfect time to play Liverpool. The last This season, you know, they've been blowing teams away. But if we were to have a perfect time to play you, I think it's now. Um, you've had back-to-back defeats, albeit against Man City and a weakened side mm. against Wolves. But I look at it, I look at your four mm. points clear there. And so there's no panicking at Anfield. But equally, there's no, you don't have to come at us with guns blazing. I've mentioned that the Amex is a fortress, and it is. The first half will be critical. If if we can get to half-time and still be in the game... What we've shown in this season, more than last season, against Chelsea and Spurs, if we can just stay in the game, then we can actually really frighten what I so-called look at as the the big six. Um, Our defence is superb with Duffy and Dunk at the back. I mean, it's frightening. How How do you keep a front three for Liverpool quiet of score? What was it, 35, 36 goals between them this season? But I think we've got the ability to do so. Um, and I look at the game against yourselves at Anfield. Uh, it was the th- second or third game of the season, and we only lost by the odd goal. Um, albeit, you could have blown us away in the first half. I remember Salah having more than one chance that he perhaps should have scored. And in the end, it took Alisson, I think he made a fine save from Pascal Gross towards the end. Mm. So if we can keep in the game in the first half, we're dangerous from set plays. We we traditionally score at the Amex. Um, two-thirds of our goals this year have come from set plays. So wing play for us is going to be important. If we can put crosses in, uh, you speak about uh, perhaps being short of a good central defender or, or your first-choice central defenders for Liverpool. Um, but still, Alexander-Arnold, Robert Dyke, three quality defenders. But um, one thing about Brighton over the years is when, when they've played against the bigger sides they sometimes can really pull it out. But it's the first half that's going to be important. I think if we can take the game um, steady in the first half, then in the second half, build confidence. I've noticed that we get a lot lot more confident in the second half of games and we start to believe in ourselves and take the game to the opposition. If we can get to that point, I think we could get a draw. But it, it is a big if. But I think there are pointers there that it's going to be a tough game. I do think both sides will score. Um, and maybe the key difference is going to be if someone like, like Shakiri plays. Uh, I n- noticed that, that when Shakiri plays, he seems to provide the ability for, to Liverpool to unlock teams, which he didn't have previously. 
maybe earlier on this season, definitely last season, struggled to put teams to bed, and, and maybe he's the difference. So, listen, we're going to have to take all our chances. We can't make any mistakes. If we take all our chances, we've, I think we've got the ability to get a point from, from Liverpool. So, my prediction, I'm going to go on 1-1. Paddy Pay, you can get 4.5 to 1. It's a fantastic bet. Lump on it, and I hope we get it. Okay, thanks very much, Tim. Okay then, Jay, gonna get over to you now and ask for your score prediction and your reasons for that, please. Yeah, well, I said at the very start, didn't I? It's important for Liverpool to bounce back now because you know when you lose your first game of the season in, in the Premier League, albeit to Man City, who were the champions trying to defend the title, and they needed to win that game. You know, anything else, anything less than that was not good enough for them. So we managed to get the victory, and now Liverpool are. In that mode now, where we can't let you know we can't drop many more points. Really, we've got to keep this advantage that we've got over them. So we play before they do. They play again on Monday evening against Wolves, and even Spurs. You can't really discount them, I suppose. And they play on the on the Sunday against Manchester United. So with us being a Saturday three o'clock game, it's massively important for Liverpool to to make it a seven point gap again from City and a nine point gap from Spurs. We simply have to win this game. So. That, that's added pressure, isn't it, really? Because, you know, we can't afford to slip up and it's not an easy game at all. I mean, last season we went there and won 5-1 where I think it was Emre Chan and, and Jeannie Wijnaldum playing at, in, in defence for, for us. But I'm fully expecting mm-hmm. it to be a lot tougher game this time around. And, you know, as we saw at the start of the season, the third game, Liverpool's second home game of the season and we'd we be... Brighton 1-0 and Mo Salah scored in the first half and at times in the second half Brighton did he certainly grew into the game and he had that chance didn't he but about 10 minutes to go I think it was Pascal Gross and you know it was a good save by Allison. and you know on another day we could have dropped points there and, and like I say it's one of them I, I'm fully expecting it to be a tough game because Brighton tends to do quite well at home at the Amex and you know this season though, I say they do well at home which they, they tend to I mean, they did play Chelsea and Tottenham and lose both of them games 2-1. Though. So, on that basis, you know, if you're back in Liverpool to be marginally better than them two sides, you'd have to fancy Liverpool to get the three points. And, you know, I can't stress enough how important it is to get three points because we simply can't afford now to drop points in this game because mm. people will start getting a little bit squeaky bum time, really, if we drop points against Brighton because, you know, I said before, we've got a two-game swing a four-point advantage, but the last thing you want to do with 17 games remaining in your very next game is drop yet more points because that's when people will start flapping a little bit over it. So it's massively important for us to get the win and I think all things considered, even though I think it will be a tough game, I think we'll just have a little bit too much for Brighton. So I'll go for a 2-1 Liverpool win. Excellent. 2-1 prediction for, for Jay there. Yeah, just my own thoughts on the on the game on Saturday. Like Jay has just said, it's pretty much the same. I think um, it will be a tough game. Brighton with the home crowd behind them are, are going to be uh, difficult to deal with. But I just think with with the rest that the the front threes had and and a lot of the other players really, um, Van Dijk, Robertson, and Trent, like what Tim was going on about, is um, they've all had a over. Well, nearly two weeks rest, haven't they? Apart from from Salah and Firmino, who played a bit part against Wolves, twenty minutes. So, yeah, they're going to be very, very fresh. Liverpool, I think um, Klopp would have had it drilled into them once again on the training ground the past 
the past week or so that um how vitally important it is to get back on back on track and um with with that in mind I just think there's there's no margin for error now and Klopp will have these fully um fully ready for this fixture so I'm gonna go with a with a three one Liverpool victory. Like like Tim said that Brighton are good at home and they do tend to score in, in their fixtures. Um so I just think that we'll have a little bit too much for them and my prediction is going to be a, a 3-1 victory for Liverpool. Right, OK, just before we go, lads, I'm just going to introduce the, the band that's been in touch with us on uh, Twitter this week. We always play an unsigned band or a, an artist uh, on the show at the end. So this week uh, we have a band called The Cosmics who've been in touch with us. They're based in, in Birmingham. They're... Twitter handle is at the Cosmics Band, and I have a new single out at the moment, which is what I'm going to play for you tonight. And that single is called Trust Is Blind.
So that song was called Trust is Blind by The Cosmics. So thanks very much for them to for getting us uh, getting in touch with us on Twitter this week. Um, just before we go as well, big thanks to the at Liverpool Facebook and the, the Twitter page for, for their association with us this season and putting out all the podcasts on their, on their social media platforms. So big thanks to them. And also our, our continued campaign with uh, Paul Bentley and Lee Butler, the No More Knives campaign. Lots of stuff going on. You can check out Paul Bentley's Facebook page. He, he's got a new gym down there in, in Heighton. He's doing a lot of work with, um, with all the local people there, dedicated fitness. So, yeah, get in touch with uh, Paul if you if you want to get your your new year off to a to a healthy start. So, yeah, thanks very much to Jay and Tim for joining us on the podcast tonight, lads. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks very much. All the best, lads. Enjoy the game. Thanks very much. So that's the Brighton versus Liverpool preview podcast all done. We'll be returning next week with our Liverpool versus. Crystal Palace uh, preview podcast. So thanks everybody for listening and um, speak to you all very soon. Goodbye. Now is the chance to use reliable energy to grow your money with the Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. Our new investment product offers competitive returns, no maintenance fees, and flexible online access to your money. Make the reliable investment in reliable energy. The Dominion Energy Reliability Investment. To find out more, go online to reliabilityinvestment.com. That's reliabilityinvestment.com. Some cars are comfy on the inside but don't have power on the outside. And some cars have the horsepower but none of the comfort. I used to think there weren't any cars that were the total package. But that all changed when I got my Honda SUV. It's rugged and sophisticated. And right now, Honda has deals on the entire Honda SUV lineup. CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, you name it. So if you're looking for a car that's the total package, the only place you'll find it is at your local Honda dealer. Hurry before they're all gone. Sports Social Podcast Network.